<laughs> Hello and welcome to the Cancelled Movie Report, the documentary podcast series that talks about the best movies that Hollywood never made. My name is Cambo and I'm your host. And joining me, as always, is an actor, is a comedian, is an organ donor. <laughs> Mr. Eden Porter. Thank you very much, Cambo. Yes, my organs are free to oh, a good home. Thank goodness, because you would have had you would have seemed like a real bad guy. Do you want a been... kidney? <laughs> Do you want a kidney right now? So last episode we were talking about Gladiator 2. Correct. Now we've gone back to back with the sword and sandals. I reported on Gladiator 2. It's your report this week. What do we got? Man, get your tunics ready <laughs> because we are diving into Crusade. I gotta tell you, I I'm so excited for this movie. Okay. Because of this whole entire first season, this is the only one that we're doing that isn't based on a property. Yep. It isn't based on like a franchise. It isn't based on anything. This is a standalone thing. Totally original content. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, Eden. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Okay. The year is 1990. We've just had the sci-fi classic Total Recall come out. Blew everyone's minds. And that, of course, was the was the, the moulding of Paul Verhoeven and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, that is actually one of my favourite films, that yeah. original Total Recall. The remake, not so much. <laughs> um, so they were keen to work together again, to put their heads together again. So they really started to look for this next sort of big project that they could combine on. Script turns up in 1993, written by Wallen Green from The Wild Bunch. Okay. Now, interestingly... Wallen is most notably known for allowing a millipede to crawl over his face in the tunnel scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> you know that image of someone coming yeah, up? Yeah, 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 it gets spooky. That's him. Yeah, that's him. That's the wow. writer of Crusade, <laughs> which is great. Now, the proposed budget yes. was $100 million. Okay? Back in 1993. Yeah, which is off the Huge, chain. I know, yeah. massively. And they're really looking at taking these two entire civilizations and seeing them really set out to destroy each other. Right. right. So, so it's a big, big epic that they're looking at here. Well, this is the thing. This this is all I really know about Crusade mm. is it was peak Arnie. We're Correct. talking like early 90s Arnie. Paul Verhoeven who makes kind of these outlandish movies kind of like no one else. Uh, yeah. Normally kind of satirical. but Very not, not, satirical. Yeah. Very, yeah, subversive. Uh, and th- this was... According to the rumors, like the most epic movie that was never made. Correct. Like correct. We, we talk about things like Justice League: Mortal and Joy. It was big in scale, but from from all the reports of this, is this was going to be like a a uh, Ben Hur esque epic. This was literally going to be combining Spartacus with Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> yes, this is exactly right. So it, it was this idea of bringing all these religious overtones. Yeah. yeah well, because it, it's the again, in case people didn't pick up on the title. It's the Crusades. Yes. Now, I'd be interested to know, what do you actually know about the Crusades? Uh, the Crusades, they went for a long time. They I know did. that. They went for about 400 years. Yes. Uh, from about roughly 1000 BC to about yeah. 1400. Yeah. And I know uh, uh, there's the different sects. There's kind of the different religious sects, whether it be the Muslims, the Christians. I know it was kind of over Europe and bits of the Middle East. Yep. Even Asia. And yep. it was kind of... Um, a series of ongoing battles to claim different land sects. Yep. Yeah, look, How you, do I do? You, you, pretty much, you pretty much nailed it. It's this idea of these, these Catholic church putting together this holy war to try and cleanse people of their sins, whether right. they wanted to or not. Right. Um, and they really did go, yeah, from the 11th century to the 17th century, they went out there and they pillaged and plundered in the name of the Lord. Yeah, of course. Well, and I, I grew up, this fun fact about me, I grew up with a grandfather obsessed with the, the Crusades. Really? So uh, on, even on his car, 
he has the little crusade cross on the on his little really? mud flap. Yeah, that's well. This will be right up his alley. Know, so get him. He's in. gonna love this. <laughs> if if because he doesn't have the internet. He just got a mobile phone. If anything's going to get him into podcasting, this it's is this episode. Now, in case you, so they they did put together a cast, very early cast because mm-hmm. it didn't get very far. But of course, we had Arnold Schwarzenegger as Hagen, who yep. is our main um, protagonist. And uh, so, from what country is Hagen supposed to be? It's never said. Well, this is what I love <laughs> about Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Films, he's the most Austrian yeah. juggernaut of all times, and they play him off. Oh yeah, he's a, he's, he's an American. Yeah, well, like I, a great example of this is uh, one of his more recent movies. Uh, it's one with Johnny Knoxville. I don't remember its name, but he plays a small town American sheriff. <laughs> You're like, there's no one that seems less like a small town American sheriff <laughs> than, than Arnold Schwarzenegger, the bodybuilder from Austria. But I love that he plays every he plays an every man, and he's the most unique man in the world. And no one ever no one ever references it. No, like no one never. ever goes like he he's like he plays some suburban dad yeah. picking his kid up from school, and people won't say, "Hey, who's that giant man with the Austrian yeah. accent out there?" Yeah. I was I think the same thing about The Rock. I remember yes. when I was watching Rampage with The Rock, and they're like, "Oh, he's a zoologist." I'm like, "Is he though?" Yeah, Look not. at him. So, he spends 10 hours a day at the gym, minimum. Not so much in the zoo. <laughs> so we've got Arnie, check. Um, Jennifer Connolly was going to play the love interest. Oh, yes, okay. a very young Jennifer Connolly. Um, Gary Sinez was going to play the evil great, villain, the half brother of Arnie. Um, and then. This, this is a great 90s cast. Wait for it. Wait for it. This is the coup de gras. Playing the Pope would be. Charlton Heston. Oh yes, in in a really nice little tie back to <laughs> to like Spartacus and everything. Like, that's, that's great. Yeah, it's really Charlton cool. Charlton Heston. I know. Fantastic. As the Pope. Yes. <laughs> Which is amazing. Okay, so we've got a bit of an overview now. Yes. So let's let's get into it. Let's get into Crusade. We open on a hilltop with a large abbey standing fortress-like against a moonlit sky. We're in France. The year is 1095, if you say it like that. (laughs) A horseman suddenly appears, galloping towards the abbey. He's hidden under a peasant's cloak, but his unmistakably large muscles can be seen underneath. (laughs) This is Hagen. This is Hagen. And I think we know who Hagen is. The horseman arrives at the walls of the abbey, and he looks up to these unscalable walls. Suddenly, a small hatch opens halfway up the wall and proceeds to dump bones and rotting entrails out to the uh, the moat below. Hagen looks there. He climbs off his horse. He gets a grappling hook, throws it up, and he starts pulling himself up towards this hatch. Cut to the abbot. In his, he's sitting in this high domed room, music playing as teenage acolytes dance about him. He's lying on the bed. Then we cut back to Hagen. He's pulling himself up through this little opening. He's entered into the abbey slaughterhouse. Hagen starts sneaking around the abbey, cutting through huge inner courtyards, keeping to the shadows. We cut back to the abbot's chamber, and he's now painting the lips of his two acolytes. Such decadence. Yeah, isn't yes. It? Um, yes, that really suits you, doesn't it, my little slut? But you need some jewels as well. Go to the vault and gather me some jewels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is happening. Hagen, carrying a small torch, descends the stairway to a heavily bolted door. He opens it and peers inside. It contains a staggering array of the abbey's wealth sitting just behind another barred door. Hagen pushes a pry bar between the lock. It clicks, but the door doesn't open. So what does Hagen do? 
Well, he just charges at full <laughs> speed and smashes through as any good Arnold Schwarzenegger would do. He kicks through the door. Jewels fall on the ground. He starts loading them up into his bag. Suddenly we cut to the Abbey guards making their way to the vault. They start, get to the door, they creak it open, and they see, who do they see? They see Hagen stuffing gold crucifixes into his bag. He notices them, charges, smashing them through the door. Classic army move. Classic, classic. <laughs> smashing one of their heads against the wall <laughs> as his skull collapses. He makes his escape towards the slaughterhouse. The alarm sounds. Thief, thief, stop, stop. There's a, a fight in the slaughterhouse. Guards coming in. Arnie's smashing them across the head. A fight in the slaughterhouse erupts. Crossbolts flying into pig carcasses oh right next God. to Hagen's head. Entrails falling on the ground. Hagen gets up to the window just as guards approach him. He smashes one of their heads against the wall and dives out to his rope. Just as he reaches the bottom, one of the guards cuts the rope with a cleaver. Hagen falls down, lands on his horse, and rides off into the night. <laughs> so, pretty good. This yeah, is before yeah. this is before the title. Oh. By the way. <laughs> Comes the title, Crusade. Great, <laughs> great opening. So, so what do we know about Hagen? He's a bit of a scallywag, isn't <laughs> yeah. he? So he's a, he's he's a thief. He's I, a thief in the night. Right. Mm. And it, it starts with a again, Paul Verhoeven movies like grotesquely violent. Massively, and uh, this, this seems no exception. You've got references to to people's heads being shattered, yeah. entrails falling out all <laughs> over the ground. So it's it's right up that alley. It's right up that really physical. I, I love a, uh, a a film that starts unapologetically and then hits you with the title card. Oh yeah, love it. Because you just imagine a big boom smash to the title card. <laughs> We're back with Hagen. He's on his horse, riding through the forest. He comes to a stream that sort of cuts him off. He can't get past it. He hears dogs and guards catching up to him. He turns around. Suddenly, there's 10 guards all around him. His horse panics, throws him off as arrows fly past his face. 10 guards and the bailiff, a man almost as big as Hagen himself, descends upon him. They all start landing blows on top of his head. And poor old Hagen, he's a mountain of a man, but he can't fend off 10 guys. He's beaten unconscious. I would love it if the bailiff was Carl Weathers. <laughs> yes. Like, now that is some casting. son of a bitch. <laughs> what have they got you doing? Pushing too many pencils? Cut to a peasant girl running around a thicket just behind a farmyard. She looks like she's having fun, but then we realise, no. No, she's half naked and she's got people chasing her. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is Count Emic of Basarak. He corners this girl against the side wall. He starts leering at her. He grabs her by the hair and throws her into a vat of grapes. He then proceeds to hold her head under the grape juice, drowning her. Be willing now, he says. Be willing. He then has his way with her and finishes the vile act in front of his men and declares, This vintage has now been well seasoned. Wait, we're what, 10 minutes into this film? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, it goes up a notch. Right. Definitely. This might be our first podcast with that little E-explicit warning on it. It is, it is pretty amazing the things that, uh, that Paul throws at yeah, us very absolutely. quickly. Um, but I think and the man from Willy Wonka. <laughs> Of all people. <laughs> I think the one thing they're very good at is making sure you know that this Emic guy, he's the baddie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's definitely the baddie. <laughs> he's the baddie. Okay. Uh, so. And it, well, it's funny as well because things like this are now seem more normal thanks to stuff like Game of Thrones. And, oh, yeah. And this like, feels like very this, Game this of Thrones. Grotesque, 
uh, violent, uh, sexualized medieval storytelling. But back in 1993, this would have shocked people to the core. And maybe this is one of the reasons why it didn't get made (laughs) when people are reading this sort of stuff. Too much, too much for them. So one of... uh, one of Emic's men screams out to him, comes running across the film. He goes, Emic, you're needed at the Abbey. Your wayward serf Hagen is in the Abbey dungeon, accused of robbing the vaults, a crime which is punishable by hanging. I summoned you, Count Emic, because there is more to this than the simple capture and trial of a serf turned thief. He abandoned my service for brigandage. I'm not involved. Hang him. A tribunal might find this man other than a serf. They might find him a man deprived of his inheritance and therefore driven to thievery. They might, with due consideration, even find him guiltless. Do you forget that I was your father's confessor? Then you know there were other bastards besides this one. The other bastards he ordered killed. To the others he felt no affection. But he spoke of legitimizing this Hagen. I don't need reminding of my father's weakness for this son of a peasant whore. Are you saying you won't hang him? There is a document, signed before your father's death, that would have given Hagen claim to half of your estate. It is in my possession. What do you want? Deed to me one quarter of your estate, and I will hang your bastard brother. You dirty old... Ah, ah, ah. careful now, Count Emic. Better to give quarter than to lose all. Summon your scribe. Cut to Abbey Hall with Hagen on trial. The man before this tribunal is Hagen, a serf from the lands owned by Count Emic of Baskarat. Count Emic, do you hold this man as your property? No, I resign him to your judgment. And we make no claim on you for his actions. You were a pikesman in the guard of Count Emic. Can you tell us why you renounced your duties and became a thief? Were you influenced by a demon? I was influenced only by Count Emic. You dare incriminate me? As your pikesman, I stole grain from villages and robbed travelers on the road. By your orders, I learned theft, like all your men. He speaks of collecting taxes and tithes for crossing my lands, or within the law. Since there is so much stealing within the law, how does a man know what's outside of the law? Robbing this house of God cannot be compared with the duties of serfdom. I do not compare them. Robbing this abbey was something I enjoyed. And judging you is something I'll enjoy. Even this tribunal has found you guilty. But I am ordained by a merciful God, and the sentence of death may not pass my lips. Duty obliges me to pray for your redemption. Hagen, I am the bailiff of this abbey, and I condemn you to hang for the crime of faith. Okay, so so, some interesting revelations there. Yes, so what did you take out of that? Okay, so Hagen, actually the the, uh, brother... Mm. Of our villain, yes, correct, and uh, he he technically has claim uh, to all to, of his to, lands, to all of his yes. lands, but he's kind of renounced it 
and now he just he thieves for the enjoyment of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's, a bit, a, he's wayward. He's way he's a yeah, wayward yeah. surf, but now he's in a bit of trouble because he's going to get hanged. Oh, no. So let's cut back to Hagen now. He's thrown into a cell overlooking the courtyard. The sounds of other prisoners is heard in the background. Uh, he sees two noblemen, possibly knights, approach the abbey and make their way inside. One of them is called Prince Ones. Uh, he's a delegate for the Vatican, and he sits with the abbot as they eat pastries. The prince informs the abbot that the, the Pope plans to visit their town to deliver a great message of importance. All hangings are to stop until the Pope has left. So our Hagen gets a stay of execution, yeah, which a, is good. He's got a window. He's got a window, there. that's right. The Pope's caravan then approaches, led by, you can understand, this is the Pope. Yeah. So we've got mounted guards, we've got knights, we've got coaches, we've got people flagellating themselves in the back. <laughs> we've got monks, we've got ox. Everyone's come to town to see the Pope. In the background, down an alley, there's Ari, a merchant. He's selling religious trinkets. He has a traveling snake oil salesman sort of vibe. Right. Yeah? He's, uh, he's got blessed water from the River Jordan, which will heal all wounds, Michael. Heal all wounds. He demonstrates on a very sick man who's covered in boils. Suddenly the man yells out, I'm cured, I'm cured. A hand comes down on Ari. It's the bailiff. He reaches out and they see the, the fake absence and, uh, and uh, boils fall to the ground. <laughs> this man, this man is trying to trick you all. They then tie him to the wagon and let the crowd beat him to his unconscious. Jeez. Right, so but he's, a, he's a scam artist. He's a scam artist. He's a yeah. scam artist. So he ends up in jail as well. And who do you think his prison mate is? My thanks. Give it back. I am a fraud. What are you? A thief. A thief? A, a chicken? A goat? A, a sack of grain? We robbed the abbey. Ah, the abbey. Any relics? Like the hand of St. Agnes, uh, a thumb of John the Baptist, uh, a tooth from any saint. No, just gold. Gold? What can one say? Traditional, if not very original. Sorry, what? Well, in today's world, religious relics are the true treasures. People flock to them like flies to dung. A saint's finger bone is worth many times its weight in gold. A finger bone is a finger bone. Who can prove it came from a saint? Believe me, it takes more than just digging up corpses. The church must accept the origins of a holy relic. So you make up your own story? Make up a story, yes. But it has to be a story seasoned with the facts. I've been to every major shrine in Christendom. I've seen the body of John the Baptist in Samaria, the crypt of St. James in Spain, the fragment of the true cross in Jerusalem. And when I offer a saint's bone, the story that goes with it, it is perfect. So what story you got here? The curse of arrogance. <laughs> I was selling water. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like maybe an, an unlikely friendship was oh, about to strike. I think we've got a sidekick. <laughs> I think we've definitely got a sidekick. But he's a good guy. He's a, he's a hustler himself. Yeah, I don't mind his spirit. Yeah, he's got, oh, he's got great spirit. He's got great spirit. So now we're back in the abbot's apartment, yeah, in the abbey. Um, we see the popes there now talking to all the knights and they're rationalising the idea of war. 
Muslims, they see war as an act of religious faith, where that if you fall in battle, you'll be rewarded in the afterlife with paradise. Christian warriors, although morally against violence, they still consider themselves sort of blessed by God in a way. Mm -hmm. So they start thinking about it in a way of the, the same way God blesses a surgeon who cuts off someone's leg to stop gangrene forming, that they too need to cut off this Muslim rule to uh, sort of help them on right. their way. So, so they're saying the Muslim rule is the gangrenous leg correct. that needs to be cut. Yes, correct. And even if we have to do horrific things, mm -hmm. God will bless us to do those things. Sounds like the church. That's right. <laughs> so this is so the decision is then made to to basically retake Jerusalem, the holy city, because they feel that it's being soiled by this and they need to show everyone the light. The next day, we're lined up huge field just across from the Abbey where the Pope gives his grand speech. Remember, this would be Charlton Heston yeah, giving yeah. this speech. Would be would be quite amazing. You did it! You finally did, <laughs> you did it! it! You took Jerusalem! Take this crucifix from my cold dead hand. <laughs> so... The Pope then makes his speech, telling everyone there about this mission to bring freedom to the world. Even the, the low and villainous shall be welcome if they fight for God and, mm. and all their sins will be cleared. It is the Sounds battle like the way out of prison to well, me. Well, this is, mate, <laughs> put your hand up if you're going to get hanged. I think so. So God says, God is speaking through the Pope and says, let's go to war. God wills it. God wills it. God wills it. Everyone's, everyone's wrapped up into a frenzy. Back in the cells, Hagen has an idea. He gets Ari to see if he can reach out and grab the torch from the corridor. Yeah, um, Ari says, you can't burn through these locks, mate. You're, not, you're big, but you're not smart. And he goes, no, no, no. Heats it up enough, heats up the metal ring on the side till it gets red hot. Yeah, it doesn't break the door. But then what he does is Hagen turns around and he scrapes his back against the burning <laughs> hot metal, right, across his back, uh -huh. straight down and then across his arms. And then he goes, okay, now put the torch back. And let's just go to sleep. The smell of burning flesh sits in the cell with them. <laughs> the next morning, the monks come into the cell to feed the prisoners. Before they say anything, they drop all their food as they see a giant burnt crucifix into the back of Hagen, <laughs> screaming to themselves and crossing, it's a sign from God, it's a sign from God. And they run out. Hagen is then taken to a private audience with the Pope. The Pope sees this as a miracle and a way to ignite support for their cause. Hagen tells them of a dream he had that night where he was fighting for God, winning the Battle of Jerusalem with a cross burnt to his back. The Pope decides instead of being hung, he will fight for God. Hagen of the miraculous cross, they call him. He shall be God's warrior. Then we cut to uh, Count Emic of Bas He's He is furious that this is the case. He cannot believe that this, that this man's not going to get hung. He starts saying, no, 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 we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do that. But the, this is the Pope at the end of the day, and the Pope says, no, it is God's will. Hagen then tells the Pope that in his dream, he also had a squire named Ari. He <laughs> 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 <shared> his cell. <laughs> the, pope, the Pope then says, well, then your Ari shall be your squire. <laughs> Release him also. <laughs> so both of them get released and they're joining these crusades. Hagen then goes to leave and many of the townspeople starts rallying around him. A big entourage comes. A few of them join his cause and say, you know what? We're going to go on these crusades with you. They all join together, this large, huge crusader army, hundreds of mounted knights leading leading all the way across as far as the eye can see towards the distant horizon. Look at them. 
This madness has spread like a plague. By the time we reach Bari to set sail east, it is said we will be at least 50,000 strong. Less one. I leave tonight for the land of the Slavs. Why? To live from where they steal. What's to steal from the Slavs? <laughs> Moldy bread? Putrid sausage from the stinky villages? Ugh. I don't rob villages. Well, what then? The nobles live in mud huts. You'll hang for stealing cow plops. I won't serve Emic. Then is the rumor true that you are, uh, related? Unfortunately, yes. Only a fool allows the troubles of his past to ruin the joy of his future. Stay with this crusade. Rob yourself rich and be blessed rather than hanged for it. We've already made some Denrai. Half is yours. Take it. Where did you get this? I sold the garments of Hagen of the Miraculous Cross. My old clothes? Yeah, and some odds and ends I snatched from a clothesline. <laughs> Trust me blindly. We're on the road to riches. I must say, this is quite good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying this. It's good, isn't it? It is. I, I, I like their dynamic. I think it's great. I think it's great. And because it, oftentimes <clears throat> it's the sidekick is the bumbling fool. Yeah. But in this case, the sidekick is quite savvy and quite smart. Yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no, it's it's almost like there isn't, like, a lot of films would be very tempted to have the comic relief yeah. character as that. Um, and look, maybe if they cast Danny DeVito as, yeah. <laughs> as Ari. That would be that great, would be great. That would be great. <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll have to see how it goes. They didn't actually cast him in the, the pre-casting, so who knows. The cart is moved along and it's at a, at a pass between two junctions, yes, our big line of, of crusaders. And a Jewish merchant passes the caravan. Emic then demands payment from them. After looking through most of their wares and stealing most of their things, Emic then wants more, and he grabs the Jewish man's daughter. Hagen jumps in front of Emic, blocking his attack. He slaps the horse of the Jewish caravan and tells them to leave and enjoy their night. Emic is enraged by Hagen's disobedience. He pulls out his sword. Ari, from behind, throws his axe across the room, <laughs> and it lands in Hagen's hand, just in midair. Emic spins around he says your life is over bastard squire my armor the fighting begins and all the men form a, a death circle around them <laughs> now their sparks are flying as their blades are hitting each other Hagen with his axe is trying to, to, to beat Emic but Emic's he's got a sword so he's he's managing to parry a lot of the the, the blows Hagen is then pinned against the wagon via his chainmail, yeah, oh. which he has to hulk out of, and he <laughs> bursts out of his chainmail by flexing. Right. Just in time, he uh, parries a blow from Emic with his sword, and the at the the top of his axe flies off, and oh. just be, so he doesn't have the blade on it anymore. Yeah, just the stem. But that doesn't stop. That doesn't stop our Hagen. No, he ducks a hit that swings right over his head. And then, using the axe handle as a baseball bat, proceeds to smash <laughs> Emic in the side of the head, <laughs> crushing the helmet and dislocating and shattering um, Emic's jaw. Wow. Right? Now, the helmet is so crushed that it's stuck onto his face <laughs> as blood and teeth pour out. Emic is left bloody and bruised on the ground. It's a good fight. Yeah. Wait, so, okay. So, but, so Emic, his half-brother, the villain of the movie... He's just kind of had his ass handed to him. Correct, massively. Is this the is this the the end of the movie already? Yeah, yeah. I think not. Okay. Now the thing is, every good villain they get at some point yeah. they get hurt or injured yeah. in some way. So, question for Cambo now. Sure. 
baddies, good disfigurement. Right. What is what is some of your favorite disfigurements in a baddie? I mean, I think one of the iconic ones is uh, Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yes, the scars, scars on his face. Uh, yes, and, very good. And the, the idea that uh, like, did he do it to himself? So, yeah, it was just something that was inflicted on him. The story always changes, but it's also such uniquely iconic to that one interpretation of that character. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That I think that really stands out. Uh, I mean, I guess the other the other side, the, I guess the lazy example is Scar from The Lion King. <laughs> yes, with the who Not scar. only does he have a scar, which I imagine he is sensitive about, but everyone has decided to call him Scar. I know. It'd be like if you had a gimp leg and everyone called you Limpy. Yeah, like, exactly. No and, wonder and, they turn to villainy. Yeah, people wonder why Scar was sick of it all. It's probably everyone's like, what's up, Scar. Well, I think my some of my favorites are so obviously your hook hand. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. the hook hand is is uh, is it's a great go to. I like the bleeding eye in uh, James Bond yeah. uh, Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's. I don't remember his name. I just call him Blood Tear. Yeah, Blood Tear Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bond villains. Uh, Bond villains usually have a good disfigurement. If you go if you go down that line, yeah. there's a lot of good. But I think I think it's important for our villain to have a good disfigurement. I think. Uh, yeah, of course. And it, it, there's something about like. Uh, it, it makes them more iconic, I think. Yeah, 100%. Uh, for better or for worse, really, about disfigurements. But if you have a villain that has like a, a kind of a, a disfigurement that stands out, then that's always so much more memorable. It's going to take it to the next level. Yeah. It's going to take it to the next level. It's fantastic. So even though Emic's been battered and bruised and he's left in the corner there, they're still on the crusade and they're still traveling together. But Hagen better watch his back because Emic has enacted a plan to uh, put Hagen on the wrong ship when they head to the seas. Tricky. So Hagen and Ari, they wake up at sea. Now, they find themselves alone on a boat. There's no other crusaders around them at all. No, all the other ships, they can't see them. They thought we were all traveling together on one big boat. But no, they've all disappeared. They look to the horizon and they see a Muslim ship coming towards them. Ari's the first one to realize They've been sold to Muslim slavers. Oh, no. Yes, yes. Emic has, has put them while they're asleep on another boat and paid them off to tr- sail in the wrong direction. The only hope is for them to take control of the ship and outrun them. Hagen then hurls one man over the side, smashes another in the face with a wooden railing, spilling his brains over the deck. It does say that. (laughs) (laughs) With Ari's crossbow in hand, they force the monks to put the sails back up and to try and outrun the closing Muslim ship. The captain laughs in the face of Hagen, thinking that they can outrun him. Hagen then grabs the man, picks him up, pulls him over his head and throws him overboard. I do like his solution to everything is just, I'm going to wreck shop. I'm just going to absolutely wreck shop. It's so good. (laughs) Now, Obviously, they can't outrun this Muslim ship. This Muslim ship is way faster than them. It smashes into the side of their boat and Muslim soldiers jump over and start attacking all of the crew. So we're getting a naval battle. This is a naval battle. This is literally a naval battle. It's great. So people are, are throwing nets at each other, stabbing each other. Someone, this very Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, at this point. Which is funny because like this would have been years and years before Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh yes, correct. And people were like, "What? Like that was kind of a, a revelation because it was bringing back something that hadn't been seen in years." But this was going to do it. This was going to do it massively, massively. So that fight actually ends when Hagen is caught in a net and sort of hung overboard yep. by about five sailors. 
They then knock him over the head until he gets knocked unconscious again. I think this is the third time yeah. he's been knocked unconscious so far in this film. Now, they wake up in a slaver's boat. Hagen and Ari are chained up. Ari tells the slavers he's actually with them. He, he is Muslim. He's no Christian. He's part of, he's, he's on their team. He starts telling them that he has been captured himself and that, yeah, you may not believe me, but it's true. I am definitely a Muslim. He then comes up with an idea to prove himself. Yeah. <laughs> he what's Ari? What does Ari do? Well, I'll tell you. How do you think he'd prove himself? As a he drops his pants, proceeds to show them his penis. <laughs> it is not cut according <laughs> to their faith. Has the immortal quote: "Look at its magnificent turbaned head. Compare it with the filthy shroud skin of these infidels." <laughs> Yeah. So he's just going to drop trout. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It, that is an interesting method to defuse wow. the situation. Wow. And I, I do wonder, because this is from the man that made Showgirls. So well, he doesn't yes, mind a bit yeah, of graphic yeah. nudity. How much that was going to be shown I do, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been shown I think they would have done some very tasteful camera angles tasteful well <laughs> right so but he he gets out of this situation or at least tries to get out of the situation let me just tell you now it penis. works oh great it definitely works there's well, cheering and when high is getting your dick out not working well, that's that's, well, that's the lesson true. from this this is true this is Paul Van Hoover he loves this stuff <laughs> the ship then docks and the slaves are brought to the slavers pens does Ari dock yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> they, they watch as one of their companions is taken away from their cell. So Ari's free. He's yeah. gone. Yeah. Ari's out of here. But, um, but Hagen's still in the cell and he sees one of their companions being taken away, chained up. He, uh, this person starts kicking and screaming, but to no avail, they, they chain him to a table out in the courtyard. A well-dressed Arab of obvious authority enters with uh, what looks like a medical trained surgeon sort of gentleman walking behind him. Um, question for Cambo. Yeah. What do you think happens next? Well, okay. There, I think there's two distinct possibilities. If, if, if I know movie tropes. Hit me. It's either going to be somewhat of a torture scene. Yep. Where they're looking for information. Yep. Or it's going to completely go against what you think is going to happen. And they're going to free the man to work with them. Okay. Okay. Let's, uh, let's see what happens. Okay. okay. The surgeon he steps out. Between the companion's legs, he studies his groin area no, for a beat. No, it's Paul Verhoeven. I yeah. should have known. <laughs> he then reaches down with a curved blade and swiftly cuts away the man's genitals. Jesus. Screams echo around the slave pen. <laughs> Nurses rush over and seal the wound with burning coal and hot oil. They then wrap him in cotton and lower him into a ditch and bury him up to his chest. This <laughs> This movie is dick obsessed because even if you're going to have two dick scenes in a movie. Back to back. Back to back. He's bold. It's, it's a bold strategy, Paul. From the man that was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, I know. Wow. Now, Hagen sees this. 
this fate in front of him. So he starts ripping at his chains, pulling everything asunder. He can't quite get off. All he does is, is cut his wrists somewhat. The guards then enter the cell, place a, a choker over Hagen's neck, and they drag him to the table. They lock his arms in place. The surgeon wipes the knife clean because they're hygienic, which is great. He grabs Hagen's testicles, and just as he's about to bring down the blade, we hear Ari shout, Stop! Stop! I will purchase this man. He is to be taken to my uncle. Ari then speaks quickly in Arabic and they exchange some gold coins to ensure Hagen is free. Thank God. Thank God. We almost got a third dick scene. (laughs) (laughs) Ambu, get water for the Frank. Hey, who is he? Ambu, the chief slaver of Emberin Carlin's guard. He will be your trainer. The trainer? You'll be trained for the personal bodyguard. I'm not going to be a slave. Could you try to appreciate what I've done? My uncle is the counselor to Inn Khaldun. With great effort, I persuaded him to buy you. Come on, all I need is a horse and a sword. And what chance would you have had? You're a Frank in a Muslim world. They'd have had you back in the slave pens before the morning cock crows. The Crusaders have besieged Antioch. When it falls, they'll march on Jerusalem. Then there will be a chance for escape. For now, put your faith in Allah, the merciful and compassionate, and try to behave. Allah? You're really a Muslim? I blend in with my surroundings. You should do the same. Interesting. Okay. So, so Ari claims that his uncle helped... But now I don't know... (laughs) What what of the things Ari is saying are true, true. and what a, what is false? Yeah, but I love him. I love him. <laughs> He's great. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. I Ari, this relationship he saves he saves Hagen a lot. He mm. saves Arnie a lot, which is great because often Arnie's the one doing the saving. I'm getting vibes. That, I mean, maybe it's just through the performance of like Ian Glenn from Game of Thrones. Yes, Khaleesi. Yes. <laughs> I am here to protect you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's a little. He's got a bit of a man crush. On, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. On Hagen. yeah. <laughs> now, do you think now is this starting to feel a little bit like Gladiator, the original? You know, like and even Ben Hur. As yeah, well, as well. That that, that man, this 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 guy that sort of he becomes a slave and he sort of fights yeah. his way through and things yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it, it's almost like a rite of passage that because you, you, you know you have to kind of torture your characters and make them worthy of this great quest. And it seems that in these movies, uh, being traded as a slave, slave is is the I guess. Um, the norm to to put people through their paces, one hundred percent. But yeah, it does have the the vibes of a gladiator or a Ben Hur or really any of like the sword, sword and sandals. sandals epics. Yeah, exactly. So they arrive at Jerusalem now in their little cart, and they're brought to Ari's uncle, who is a real guy, Jesus. at his house. Hagen is taken inside to the guards' quarters to be cleaned up, and the princess Leela is uh, sitting with her father while suitors send gifts to impress her and ask her for a hand in marriage. The cock lives in the hope that this gift will entertain you and your daughter. It is a mechanical bird that sings just as beautifully as a real bird. A lovely gift, is it not, Lila? It is clever, but I prefer the songs of real birds. Songs meant to inspire happiness and not obligation. Even if you take the slightest pleasure in this humble gift, it will give the cock great joy. I have seen subtler rejections. Dukak is a slug. 
His amorous intentions are an insult. I wouldn't marry the man if he sent me the pyramids. Dukkha rules only Damascus. The pyramids would have come from the Caliph of Cairo. He's equally loathsome. Don't encourage him. And whom should I encourage? When I know, you'll know. Okay, interesting. We've got our sassy first female character. This, this, is this going to become Aladdin? Well, you've got the, the princess that doesn't want to marry. Yeah, and, and, and you've got the rogue yeah, that's come into town. Yeah. Lying about, lying about where he came from. Yeah. Uh, Muscle-bound Austrian. Very much so. <laughs> Just like Aladdin. Very much so. So Hagen is brought to the Ibn Kaldars, right? Very impressed. He's the guy that runs Jerusalem at the moment. Mm. He's very impressed with this man's size and his demeanor. He's very he's an honest man, and they 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 really like that. Hagen begins his training in the courtyard, and Leela and her slave uh, Sheba sneaks around the palace. Sheba tells Leela that they must see the latest slave. He's a giant of a man. He begins sparring with the other guards, throwing them left and right. Leela watches on from the balcony in secret, but he looks up. And he sees her in the corner. Classic. They share a moment together. Classic. She then ducks back behind the window. Leela is a whirlwind of forbidden thoughts. Just, just quickly, Leela, was that the one going to be played by Jennifer Connelly? Yes, correct. From Jerusalem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. It's a real Jake Gyllenhaal, Prince of Persia situation. you gotta get, you got to get those big name stars yeah, in, yeah. mate. you got to get those big name stars in. <laughs> Well, we have come to the end of part one of our cancelled movie report, The Crusade. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We would love you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. It really does help us get discovered in the charts. It would also be terrific if you could give us a five-star rating or, most importantly of all, just to tell a friend. We're completely independent here at Cancelled Movie Report, so your support means the world to us. Hey, what do you think of the movie so far? Did we miss anything? We would love to hear from you. You can always get in touch with us via cancelledmovies at gmail.com or at cancelledmovies on all of the socials. Hey, maybe you've got a cancelled movie project you've always wanted to hear about. Why not let us know? You can fill out a form in the episode description alerting us to a project and we may give it the cancelled movie report treatment. I'm Michael Campbell. I've hosted and edited this episode. And Eden Porter was my co-host too. We both produce the show. And Sam DiLorenzo is the sound engineer. We would like to thank our special guest, Joe Gaudette, who played Hagen in this episode and his amazing Arnold Schwarzenegger impression, as well as the rest of our amazing voice cast, all of which are listed in the episode notes. Now, make sure you're listening next week for the conclusion, part two of Crusade. But if you can't wait, here's a sneak peek. Uh, he grabs a pike yep. from the ground and yep. he stabs the beehive. And then he proceeds to javelin the beehive <laughs> into the small mosque. This has some this fantastic creative death sequences. But until then, take care.